Welcome to Everything Renewed Podcast. This is Wes Morgan. Listen, everyday people operate under habits and mindsets that prevents growth. This podcast is here to address those habits and mindsets and dismantle negative stigmas. We truly believe that if you start with the mind, everything can be renewed. Let's go. It's another day for your mind to be renewed. My name is Wes Morgan, and thank you again for joining me on another episode of the power of stories today you're in for a treat Uh, i have my lovely wife i've been talking about her and um made a few comments in regards to her story and i wanted to uh take this time out and uh, really get her story out here and from her perspective um i i did a little intro in the previous uh, episode and if you haven't heard that episode go back and listen to it so you can understand what we're doing in season two but we're talking about the power of stories and how we can appreciate um, someone's perspective uh, by hearing their stories uh, a lot of conversations and you're going to hear me say this um, a lot a lot of conversations are really more so about conversion attempts meaning that we are attempting to convert someone over to our perspective, but never really having the opportunity to hear someone's stories. There's a lot of power and a lot of vulnerability in stories. So um, without any further ado, honey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. So, uh, and what I would like to do this time, last last season we were talking about, um, we start off each episode, what's something that you would like to see changed in our world? Well, for season two, uh, what's something that you would like to experience? Does it have to be something deep? No, you can talk way, it doesn't matter. One thing that I will experience eventually, um, I saw this travel ad where you can take a trip it's like a six month trip all around the world and so that's gonna happen at some point in my life (laughs) Hmm. so we're gonna be going away for um for six months i will oh so in other words (laughs) yes i will be working and you'll be traveling (laughs) no we'll (sighs) yes story of my life we will experience that together okay all right so so we um so we we've been talking or we'll start talking about stories and i wanted to share your story uh from your experience and just just off the top we didn't rehearse none of this but um what's your perspective on stories like listening to people's stories um what does that do for you i love to hear people's stories i love to hear their origin stories you know you meet someone or you hear maybe some famous or prominent person and you see them now and all of their success but I love 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 to hear you know how they got to that place um that's why I love to watch documentaries Mm -hmm. um those types of things um the unsung series where you get to hear about you know all these musical groups and celebrities and how they came to be. Those are my favorite things. Um, I think it's important to hear those types of stories um, because it shows that, you know, you didn't just arrive on the scene scene successful. Um, there's a lot of things that people 
had to go through. Um, and uh, most of us can identify more with a person's journey than where they are sometimes in their success. Um, so yeah, I love hearing those types of stories. So when we, when, when we look out and into today's culture, uh, our society here now, um, it seems like stories are missing and we are judging people by a snippet or a little comment that they make on social media. Um, or if we share our two cents, people feel as though they have the right to um, disrespect you or say something very demeaning because they don't know you. And so I thought to myself that it would be a good thing to understand context. Context is huge when we're telling the story. Um, it, so versus, you know, reading something on social media and we don't have the full context. Uh, my dad used to say this when uh, we were little, we will come We'd come home, he'd ask us about school, and we'd tell him, and then he he would follow up with a question he had said to me and my brothers, were you there? And in most cases, we were not. It was a setup question. One, he wanted to make sure we were in school, um, but two, he, he was really trying to teach us a point of stop trying to tell uh, tell me about something that you did not personally experience firsthand. So... Um, that's why you're here. And I wanted to give people insight into the life of a black woman, um, especially when it comes down to health. Uh, you had a very unique experience here in this city. And I, I wanted you to just share a little a little bit about your story, about uh, what it means to be a black woman living here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, some of your experience with um, your health, your physical health and the challenges um, that you have, because a lot of people suffer in silence. And so sometimes we are inspired, like you just said uh, earlier, about hearing people's stories. You get to learn. So let's it's kind of a broad way of starting this, but let's talk about your experience in your health journey. You mean like my experience with healthcare in this area? Yes, okay. and especially as a black woman, I am putting emphasis on that <laughs> for a reason um, because it's not the same. Okay, so um, you you said that it was a unique experience. I'm not exactly sure it was a unique experience. Oh, it's different. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only black woman that experienced what I experienced based on just articles I've read and, you know, things that I've heard from other people. Um, but, uh, I am originally from Detroit, Michigan, and, um, the healthcare that I received in Detroit versus Grand Rapids has been extremely different. Um, I actually initially had, um, African-American pediatrician, which I don't know how common that was or is, but it was like a big deal for us um, to see this pediatrician, this male black pediatrician. And he was awesome. Um, it, it, we spent like, it, it would be the longest wait in his waiting room. But the reason that we would wait so long, the reason why my mom never took us to a different doctor is because he actually listened. And at the time I had no idea how rare that was until I moved to Grand Rapids and needed to find um, a healthcare provider in Grand Rapids. 
um, and it was a difficult process, um, but I did eventually find a doctor um, who promptly retired as soon as I got on his uh, calendar. Um, I, I doubt that it was had anything to do with me. I think he was just kind of at the end of his tenure. Um, but then um, I got pregnant with our first two children and had to find an OB. And um, it just so happened that I was pregnant with twins. And uh, so I found a doctor uh, that the doctor that I had, he referred me to. And we were on this journey uh, of pregnancy with twins. Um, didn't know that in the beginning had a what do they call it in the doctor's office? It wasn't an ultrasound. The first appointment? You know when we heard the the heartbeat? The heartbeat? Yeah. So we had that appointment. So I was kind of far along in the pregnancy and um we sonogram, I don't know what it's called. We we're in the doctor's office and we were listening to the heartbeat of what we thought was the baby. And I remember you saying um the, the doctor was like, you hear that? That's the heartbeat. And I remember you saying, it sounds like two. And she was like, oh, no, you know, the baby's moving around in there. And, um, you know, she kind of dismissed that. Fast forward to about halfway through our pregnancy. I think we had our first 18 weeks. ultrasound. I actually think it was 20 weeks. We had our first ultrasound, um, which later I found out that for twin pregnancy, that's like super late. Um but at the time, we didn't know that we were having twins. We found out at 20 weeks that we were having twins. Um, and it was like the shock of the century. However, we heard two heartbeats in that doctor's office. But the doctor just kind of happened to dismiss us. Um, assumed we didn't hear that second heartbeat. Um, from 20 weeks on... I had several concerns in my pregnancy and um, when I would go to my regular visits, I would voice those concerns and the doctor that I had at the time would just tell me, you know, twin pregnancies are different or pregnancies with multiples is different. You know, you're going to experience strange stuff for lack of better terms. That's basically what I heard every time I had concerns about different things that I was experiencing in my body. I had um, another routine checkup and I don't remember, I think I was about, so I had the twins at 34 weeks. So it must've been around, it was around 34 weeks I had this checkup. And the doctor that I routinely saw wasn't there, um, which actually wasn't, uncommon it seemed like she was always delivering a baby when it was my doctor's appointment so I did end up seeing multiple people um anyway so I was scheduled for a stress test something wasn't right and the nurse grabbed just another doctor that was in the hall walking past can you come look at this and the doctor looked at it and was like you know that this okay tell me how you've been doing and I remember just just pouring out everything that I had voiced prior on my prior doctor's appointments, just everything came out from A to Z. Um, and she told me, wow, you know, that's a lot. And she gave me some instructions and, uh, 
because of something that I was experiencing at the time. She told me, if you don't feel any different by noon tomorrow, I'm going to be in the ER and um, I want you to come to the ER. And I didn't feel anything different, came to the ER and then we ended up delivering the babies the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, I just had all these complications afterwards that all of the concerns that I had throughout my pregnancy were like red flags. I had um, a rare liver disease, um, but had my doctors that I had seen listen to me like that one doctor did. And I absolutely love her to this day. <laughs> um, had they listened to me every time I came for my well child visits, um, my experience after delivering those babies in an emergency cesarean, um, would have been totally different. Now, one thing you left out, shout out to Dr. Julie Vandenberg. I said I was calling Anita. out names. Anita. Dr. Ooh, Anita I said Vandenberg. Julie, my bad. That's I, my I got the last name right. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Anita, shout out to her. Um, yes, girl, because she was, she was definitely uh, She a saved blessing. my life. She did. She saved um, my life and our children's lives. So prior to that, like, I think there was there was one aspect because I remember going to an appointment you were having uh complications, but your primary doctor, I remember you not even seeing her. you might have saw her once, possibly twice, but she was always gone, yeah, that was the original o b that I had, so like I mentioned, I had found a primary care doctor, and I actually liked him. He listened to me, he spent some time, like our first initial appointment, and that was just for primary care. But by the time I got pregnant, he had retired, and so his office referred me to the office uh where my uh original o b was, and yes, I would have these um routine visits and she was never there. She was always delivering a baby or she switched her schedule in that time. And she also never um, returned messages. She didn't return messages. And when I did see her, um, I would mention, you know, I had to see other doctor the last time I saw you, I had these concerns and just like every other doctor, except Dr. Vanderberg, um, which I hadn't seen until I had that stress test. Um, they just dismissed my concerns. And the one appointment I remember um, that we were there and you were there to see uh, Dr. Anita and your previous doctor, the one that you were assigned to, she was there, but she was never present for your appointments. Um, even walking through the halls, you know, being dismissed, um, I remember going to the office like I just saw how from a you know, I don't know what to expect. And that's, and maybe that's something someone is thinking, well, why, why didn't you guys do this? Why didn't you guys do this? And oftentimes as a minority, we have to, it seemed like we got to know everything versus we cannot even have an experience. Or we, we didn't know any better. And I have to, like I said before, I had excellent health care up until this experience. And so I grew up trusting the doctors that I had. I only had like one or two, um, but I grew up trusting them. Like I said, my pediatrician, who I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, I saw my pediatrician until I was like 21 because I didn't want to leave. And there was no reason he, he actually had to hand me off to <laughs> uh, um, another doctor. And it's like, you know, you're getting older and all of that. But um, 
And and he transferred me over to another doctor who sat and listened to me and didn't rush me through appointments. And, and so I trusted their advice. I trusted their care. So I didn't know that, you know, I really needed to advocate for myself. I just trusted doctors. Mm. So you're using two words a lot, and I want to bring some attention to that. You you continue to say they listened to me or this particular doctor listened to me. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about, you know, because you have talked to other women and there will be some other, other people I interview, but can you talk about the lack of, um, mm, the I don't even know how to say it. The lack of not listening by doctors. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but really like from your experience, because we hear that often that I went in a doctor and I was telling the doctor this and they just completely ignored what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're in a vulnerable spot, right? Um, in this story that I was sharing, I was pregnant. Um, later in life, I kind of had to shop around again for doctors because I had been experiencing some things, um, and I didn't really have an answer for it. Um, I remember my mom telling me, uh, a similar story. She suffered from fibromyalgia. She told me it took her years for someone to, it took years for someone to actually believe her. Hmm. So fibromyalgia is, amongst other things, you experience chronic pain. And she would tell me that she would go to a doctor and say, I'm having this pain. And they would test her and they would say, nothing's wrong with you. And I mean, like, literally, nothing's wrong with you. I found nothing. But she was experiencing these pains to the point where she thought that, you know, she was, I must be crazy because I know I'm I'm feeling this pain and people keep, they test me. I've gone to different doctors and excuse me, they um they say nothing's wrong. Finally, I don't know, I don't remember how she found this doctor. Um, I think his name was Dr. Kyle. I don't remember. He's retired now. Um, and he decided to I think they hooked her up with some machine and tested her pain level, right? And when the test was over, the doctor told her the average person would be flopping around on the table with the amount of, I think it was like electoral something. I don't know. But the amount of the level of the testing that we did on you, most people be flopping on the table. And I remember her telling me that she just melted in her seat, not because, um, you know, because of that news, she melted in her seat because someone finally believed what she was saying. And he was able to put a name to what it is that she had and she wasn't crazy. And when we went through this experience with the twins and I um, met Dr. Vandenberg who just happened to be walking in the hall and the nurse grabbed her. I re- I just, I remember my mom telling me that and I, I remember the just the feeling of being heard like I wanted to melt in the seat finally this doctor listened to what I said and showed concern and did something like even even if the outcome of that pregnancy would have been the same it was just it felt good to be heard finally yeah let's jump to the part to where um 
you know, you're in the hospital, you do, you deliver the twins. They came out fine, perfect. Everything was good with the twins, but things took a turn for you. Yes. Um, we de- you delivered the twins on a Saturday, um, six six thirty seven and six thirty nine, I believe. Um, and we had our twins, and by the end of the next day. I was in the ICU. You're in the ICU. Yep. I had an emergency exploratory surgery. Um, I just remember being in just extreme pain. I was turning yellow. Your stomach got bigger. My stomach was getting bigger instead of smaller. And like, I can remember just the feeling of the sheets touching my skin being painful. And I remember um, there was a doctor that was just on call and he had to come in. He was at the end of his rounds, had to come in and check me to make sure everything was working out. And he was feeling around my stomach and I was just like wincing with pain. And he looked at me and said, ma'am, I need to do this to make sure everything is fine. And I remember telling him, I understand that, but could you please give me a, a chance to just brace myself? because I was in pain and he, I remember he rolled his eyes and it just so happened, shout out to good nurses because um, he left and that nurse (laughs) that was on call at the time talked to him in the hallway and was like, you know, your bedside manner was horrible. You know, she almost went to jail. She was obviously in pain and the way you treated her wasn't right. Thank the Lord. That man was convicted on his way home. He turned around. Uh, he said he was thinking about the next day. It was that night. It was that same night. No, it's the next day because you went into surgery the next day. Yeah, he, he well, rushed he, back he, up. Well, it might have been like eleven thirty versus after midnight because he said he was on his way home, um, and it clicked to him. He kind of was putting the pieces together, and he turned around and came back, and said, "I needed emergency surgery." So he didn't initially listen I don't know if it was you know my screams of pain or the nurse you know scolding him in the hallway which I'm sure she really put her neck out there to do that because of the pecking order you know in a hospital but he came back did an emergency surgery and I'm here to tell the story but even even in that because there's some things you didn't know so when he came back he put me in the hallway Mm. and and he said Listen, there's doctors in here and they don't respect me. This doctor was from Alabama. I don't remember his name, but I know for sure he was from Alabama. He was new to Grand Rapids. Uh, So he had, like you said, horrible bedside manners. And the procedure that he did um, on you in that room was, you know, definitely very painful. So, yeah, I wanted to beat him up and all of that good (laughs) stuff because what he was doing was crazy, in my opinion. But like you say, he come back to the hospital and he pulls me out and he says, I already have a team all the way downstairs. They are already ready. Uh, I have my own team. And I need, if we don't take your wife right now, she will die in a matter of a few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was like, what I need from you is we're just going to go in here and start unhooking stuff. He was like, the doctors are going to tell you to stop. Don't listen to them. And I just remember sitting there like, what type of stuff is this? Like, why wouldn't another doctor listen to this doctor? And so it was politics and that and everything that he said uh, for me to do 
It actually happened. Like, you know, yep, we was pulling stuff off. I literally helped roll you to surgery. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, after the surgery, um, you still go on life support. Yeah, yep. They had to intubate me. There was just a lot. It was like, a, what, over a span of 12 days, but it all felt like one long day. I was just, I, it just felt like one of those movies where someone's in a coma, but they open their eyes and they close their eyes and they open their eyes and it's a different scene. That's kind of what it felt like. But it all could have been prevented had the OB that I, I initially had listened to what I had to say. There were red flags. I remember... This was maybe a couple days after surgery and um, a doctor came in that worked with that one doctor that did the emergency surgery. And she came in, she gave me this piece of paper that had all the facts and statistics for the, it was like a fatty liver disease, but it was a certain type that was really rare, one in 20,000, something like that. And she literally told me like, you would have been gone in two hours. Like, had he not come back when he did, you would have been gone in two hours. And I'm like, that's crazy. When it's something that was totally preventable, um, something that could have been treated um, while I was still pregnant with the children. And I mean, the I was put at risk and both our children were put at risk. I, but you saying it so fast and I, I want our listening audience to hear what you're saying because of someone um, bad practices, a doctor, bad practices, choosing to ignore your concerns, choosing not to give you the same attention, because on the flip side, what we're also leaving out is that you had other people that you knew that were pregnant, too. Um, oh man, it seemed like everybody was right. pregnant at the same and, time, and they yeah. wasn't black, and they're they talking about how well their appointments and how everything is going, mm -hmm. and we and you're coming home telling me, well, Wes, I think this, I'm confused, I don't know what to pretty much think of that, um, because we've never been in this position before, but then again, it almost cost you your life mm -hmm. and our kids' life because of someone not choosing to listen and even then i didn't think of it like that i mean it was just such a crazy experience and i was just happy to come out alive you know um but i remember seeing this video of this doctor um years later and it was such a validating and just like that melt in your chair experience that my mom had she was, I believe she was at like a conference. This was a doctor and she was sharing a story about um, implicit bias in, in uh, the healthcare field. And she was sharing her own experience where there was a black woman that would come to the hospital frequently um, complaining about like back pain. And um, she would often get dismissed. She would, she had a cough and back pain. And, um, and she would, every time she coughed, her chest hurt. And she would come to the urgent care or the hospital. And the doctors would, you know, prescribe her cough medicine and send her on her way. They made assumptions about, you know, she's a frequent flyer. She would just come often and, you know, she was there for the drugs, right? But this particular doctor who, um, she was a female, a woman of color, 
she happened to be the doctor on call at the time and she was familiar with this patient the patient was complaining about back pain and she would cough and her chest hurt so she said you know let me give her an EKG gave her EKG come to find out every time she coughed she was having a heart attack and the the doctor mentioned you know I had seen this woman in here it had to have been at least five years that she'd seen this woman come in for similar concerns and so she tried to, um, once she realized, got, find, got the EKG and realized that she was having these cardiac issues, she, um, you know, told the cardiologist that was on call, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z, and the doctor refused. And, you know, she brought up the fact that she had, like, read some article, medical journal, that, you know, black women have the, the, um, their their rate of care with regards to heart conditions, uh, the outcomes are worse than any other population. Um, and so she said she had to check herself. Mind you, she had seen this patient for like five years. And, the, and even she had dismissed this patient, but it, she finally decided to just kind of challenge her thinking. You know, they're trained. If someone complains of heart, of chest pains, you get an EKG, but for some reason, this black woman was complaining about heart or chest pains and was not getting an EKG. And that's like textbook, according to what this doctor was saying. Um, and I remember hearing her say these words and just melting in my seat. Like, I'm not just complaining. Like, I'm not just, it's not just in my head, like that I'm going to the doctor saying this is an issue and not getting um, care. Thankfully, you know, Dr. Vandenberg was there. And even to this day, any concern that I have, she'll test for it, even if she doesn't believe that. Um, and I hope I'm not getting her in trouble. But even if she doesn't believe it's an issue, it eases my mind, right. you know, to get, a, you know, test results that say, you know, that there's no problem or something might come up. And, you know, it, I just feel like I... Just the assumption that I'm just imagining or whatever assumptions that the doctors that I've had in the past have made, I just don't understand. And it's just, it's a shame. So t two quick things. Um, I'm never quick. I don't even know why I say quick. Yeah, I don't know why you said that. Anyway, so <laughs> two, two points I want to make. Number one, we hear rebuttal a lot. When I say we, we as minorities, we always have to address rebuttals so in other words our stories are often rejected because that's not a person's experience or they never have had this experience before um it it is hard being a minority in our case it's hard being black we love being black i personally i wouldn't want to be any other color you know type of thing but it how do you deal with, I guess the first thing um, I want to ask you is, how do you deal with the rebuttals for those uh, individuals who may be at your job or who may be, you know, in our community or around the world that will say that that's not everybody's story. That's just happened to you. Now, me and you have ample <laughs> uh <laughs> evidence of no it's just not us it's yeah. it's a lot of black women um i'm gonna have a guest on on the next episode who um really is into a lot of the statistics and things of like the um 
the statistics on black women and the deaths of black women and how many of them not just die on um giving childbirth yeah childbirth but it's just regular health like it's crazy so what do you say to the person who's just saying like yeah that's just you like how do you address that i would say even if it was just me it's not right right Mm -hmm. if you're a doctor if you're in the healthcare field um you have a protocol that you should follow with everyone i truly think that um with my previous doctors versus my current doctor my current doctor walked in the room and she saw another human being Mm -hmm. she didn't see all this black woman that was complaining she just saw a patient and she treated me as such Um, whereas before i just feel like that was not the case Um, but to your question if it's just one person even if it's just one person, it's not right. However, I mean, I could pull up plenty of examples, friends, um, just other people's stories because I like to hear other people's people's stories that I could share. It's it's it is a common thing. There are several statistics out there, and um, you know, but you're not all you're not going to convince everybody. You know, I can't deny my own experience and that just my own experience is good enough for me. I, I don't have to convince you. And I think that that's a strong point that I, I want the listening audience to really take away. Stop trying to convince or make somebody believe your story. Right. Make someone believe in your dream and your passion because of the fact they're they don't agree with you or they don't have the same belief system, same political view as you, the whole nine yards. It's like you're living this out. You're living through the pain. You're living through your experience. And that's why stories are very important because we take the time out to listen to what someone says. It helps you. It it really gives you a little insight on that person. Um, You know, um, sometimes in regular conversation, we often say, I wish I can be a fly on the wall in that room or in that office. Well, listening to stories do do that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember um, when I hurt my knee and I had an experience now, not like yours, of course, because, of course, everything is not giving birth, blah, 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 blah. No, but it was a it was a valid experience. It was it I was can't deny your experience. Yeah, I, I got <laughs> I got hurt um, and we went to the specialist and um, what was told to me was that um, I knocked my kneecap out of place and how I was addressed on that table was very careless and I remember you walked out and we were in the car and I don't know if I yelled at you, but I was very, very stern with you because I was upset. And I was like, did you see how he was laughing in the hallway and dude turned his head? And once he saw me, his whole demeanor changed. And then he was grabbing my leg and moving my leg and come to find yeah, out my leg was detached. Like. Your leg wasn't detached, my, but your patella was My detached. patella was, shoot, yeah. in my so case, t- my leg was detached. <laughs> yeah, let you was, tell it. It was hanging, yeah. was it not? I, it was. Mm. Okay, okay, so there were so many things that were wrong with that. Number one, the doctor was, he did not take his time. 
Mm -hmm. right? He wasn't gentle. You clearly were in pain. And the Coupe de Ville was, that's what my mom always said, the Coupe de Ville was, he wasn't even looking at the right Mm x-ray. So he didn't take the time. You know how doctors come in and they look at your chart and they say, can you confirm your date of birth? You know, your name and all that. He didn't do any of that. So he was looking at a totally different person's x-ray and told you that um, your kneecap was just probably popped out of place and went back and then now it's sore. And I told him, don't touch me. (laughs) One, because when he grabbed my leg the first time, you know, because I was screaming. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, like, his whole demeanor was done. And I said, don't touch me. And then you were so like, oh, praise the Lord. I was like, praise <laughs> nothing. Like, it was uh, several words came out of my mouth. I'm like, no, because I I wish I could have had my brothers up here. Because, like, they would have been in jail. Because, dude, how he how he was and, and how he um, treated me. So, I, I'm saying we have stories um we could go all day with your experience in healthcare, especially being in this city. Why is it? Why does it have to be a difference? I don't know. And, you know, I can't say, you know, we've had a lot of different experiences being in West Michigan versus, you know, growing up in Detroit. Like I said, my mom had similar experience trying to find a doctor that would listen to her and she you know that was in the detroit area i don't know how i just think it's across the board and maybe in west michigan it's just a little bit heightened um but why is there a difference across the board right why is there a difference um why is it difficult for um me to you know i have psoriasis and you know there's not a doctor that looks like me in this area that treats that condition. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really answer that question. Why is it different? There's biases that people have. I've even heard that, you know, there's a large percentage of doctors, medical doctors who don't believe that black people feel pain the same as other people. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Our tolerance is higher. Yeah. And so I can't answer that question. It's sad. It's unfortunate. I think that um, a lot, I I think that we need to encourage more like black and brown people to go into medicine um, to try to uh, just kind of make a difference in that area. But you can't put the onus on, you know, black, black and brown people becoming doctors. I think that um, there's like a systemic thing that needs to change, like how how doctors in general are educated um, to be culturally astute. You know, I heard a story. There was a I don't know the hierarchy in the doctors in in hospitals, but you know you you have the main doctor. I don't know what they're called, and then there's other doctors that are kind of under them. And, I, and there was a man who needed surgery, black man needed surgery. And the higher doctor came into the room and said, you got this going on and you need surgery. And he used like medical jargon and this lower level doctor, I think he might've been a student, couldn't say anything in the presence of the doctor because he, you know, he would be reprimanded. So he's listening to this doctor with his jargon and he's looking at this patient's face and the patient is just like, no, I'm not doing this. I just, 
I don't know. I'm not, no surgery, no surgery, no surgery. Not really trusting this doctor. The lower level doctor, I'm sorry for calling it lower level. I just don't know what it's called. The attending, I don't know. He's a student. He saw all this going on. And when the doctor left, he, he doubled back to the patient and explained it to him in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. And when, once this patient heard it in layman's terms, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, he was down for the for the um, the surgery. And that just goes to like there was just cultural differences. Like he was able to explain it in a way that this patient could understand. And that's why representation, I feel, in, in that area, in the area of healthcare, is just so important. There's things that I can communicate to you um, that someone from another culture may or may not be able to do. And so that representation, that that student, doctor, whatever he was, was able to recognize that, you know, the 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 higher up doctor went into the uh, hallway and was like, this this dude is crazy. You know, we can't help him mm-hmm. when actually there was just a language barrier. Pretty much, you know, they all spoke English, but the doctor was speaking his jargon and just could not connect with that patient. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I don't. That that is one reason why there could be a difference, but I think that there's just it's a systemic issue that needs to be dealt with. And yeah, yeah. I intentionally, um, for the listening audience, I intentionally did not take a break today um, because sometimes stories do not need to be interrupted. Um, and I want to kind of wrap this up, um, but I want to share a few things as encouragement. Um, number one, I want to be clear here. No, we're, we're not saying, you know, in, in Artina sharing her story, we're, we're not racist. We're not, you know, oh, white people are bad and all that. We're not making generalized statements, but we're speaking from our truth, right? We're speaking from our experience. We're speaking from um, the things that happens behind closed doors that some of you will never, ever even imagine these things happen. So that's why when you hear someone say Black Lives Matter is bigger than the organization, we have to literally fight just to get our voice to be heard. It It is very challenging. Um, we're challenging very systemic things that are in place that does not support um, minorities, right? At all. It, it's nothing there. And just because you might have a minority on your staff, does that does not mean that you're really caring for us because you have a whole staff possibly that don't even care for us that don't even you know that will rebuttal something back to us or invalidate our experience so as we're talking it might be uncomfortable but this is our reality right but we're we're not hating we're just providing truth because we have to speak to an audience on how do you continue to push forward despite the bad experiences, despite, you know, the lack of attention. And so bringing Artina on today um, is really a sign of encouragement. It's a sign of saying to other black women, please don't ignore um, your health and the ailments that you are having. No, do not leave up out the doctor's office. Um, you do not have to leave. You don't have to cause a scene, but you do not have to accept bad care or bad bedside manners you can request certain things and who cares if people get attention but fight 
for yourself. Make sure your voice be heard. And so when you take a combination of stories, my hope, my prayer is that you can better understand us as a people because we're giving you insight. We're giving you um, some education, really, that sometimes you can't find in a book or that you can't talk about at work because it's uncomfortable. Well, now you can listen to this in your podcast and you can share it with someone. It's like, hey, listen to this. Like I learned I learned so much or it helped me better appreciate um, women more don't didn't even know, you know, black women are experiencing these things. Um, anything else you want to add or you want to leave with our listening audience? <laughs> um, I would just say that, um, you know, even though we have these stories, um, like I have my story and a lot of other women have their story uh, with regards to their experience with healthcare. Uh, there's still like there's hope like I remember seeing a nutritionist one time and um and and she wasn't you know she wasn't a person of color but I remember just talking to her about her experience and she um I was talking to her about a health concern that I have and she gave me a piece of advice that you know coming from her meant a lot and she just said you know in my experience, I've had to advocate for yourself, where whoever you decide to go to to treat you for whatever the issue, concern that I was having, remember you always have to advocate for yourself, and there's always second opinions and other options. And so, just in general, you know, there's no, there shouldn't be fear in in getting health care. Um, that's just the, the day and age that we live in. We have to advocate for ourselves, and there's lots of communities um, that you can um, research. There's just a lot of information out there, and so um, arm your. She told me arm yourself with information, you know, so that you have you can ask questions. And like you were saying before, don't take no for an answer you can't deny your own experience and you and don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not experiencing what you're experiencing that hmm. makes sense yeah well dear thank you for your time and thank you for sharing part of your story um we will need a whole nother day to record all the different um events that have transpired during the time that we have been together but for our listening audience um, i hope you learned something again i have um more guests coming with different stories um really that is just focusing on them being a human being and how to listen i am attacking the um the deception that we hear every day um in regards to uh people lives um and unfortunately different belief systems and politics and everything like that has caused us to really just, you know, walk away from people and turn our back on people. And really we can listen. Listening is an act of love. And my, my duty, my charge is to really provide that renewed uh, perspective. So that way we can understand people better. So until next time, hopefully you all enjoyed the episode. Do me a favor and always uh, share 
um, with someone who you think may be blessed by this episode. But more importantly, thank you um, for listening. And what my last request, if you have any comments, um, by all means, feel free to contact us. Our information is in the show notes and we would love to hear from you. Um, you have some ideas about other conversations that you would like to hear. We will love to hear from you. So thanks again for listening and have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to the Everything Renewed podcast. I hope you heard something that was helpful and that you can relate to. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Remember, start with the mind and everything can be renewed. Until next time, stay fresh, stay cool, and stay renewed.